By the grace of God, we started our series of releasing the power for restful increase, which the banner is shown now, thank you. Uh, the last seven weeks, this is the seventh session. It is a nine-part series. So over the months, the nine Sundays of July, we've been able to look at the joy of the Lord, the peace of God, gentle, patience, gentleness, and godly perspectives. And last week, we looked at bold declarations. And uh, the very first four of those things talk about how God wants us to manifest the fruit of the Spirit in the, in the, in the form of joy, peace, love, of course, but joy, peace, uh, patience, and gentleness. And um, we started to look, after the fourth series, we started to look at some attributes God expects us to have, that God expects us to have godly perspectives, which means he expects us to see things as he sees things. If you don't see things the way God sees things, you will find it very difficult to have a relationship. The Bible says, how can two work together except they agree? So we need to see how God sees. Now, this is very key. And then we said that when you see what God sees, it gives you the confidence to continue to be able to declare boldly. You can now say what God wants you to say. He asked Ezekiel, he said, son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel 37, he said, can these bones live? He said, Lord, you know. He said, now you prophesy to them. And as soon as Ezekiel was told to prophesy, he prophesied. He said, and I prophesied as I was commanded, which means I saw what God saw. And as soon as I prophesied, he said, I started seeing the bones come together. I started hearing the sound of the rattling and the cracking of bones, and they were coming together. He said to me again, prophesy. That let sinews come on them, let flesh come on them, and so on. And then before I knew it, I saw a mighty army. So you must learn to develop yourself in seeing how God sees. God does not see like man. You see physical. He said to Samuel, he said, you see physical. I see beyond the physical. I see the inside. I see the inner being. Those of you who are not yet married and you are trusting God, young people who are trusting God for marriage, you must know how to see beyond the day. You must know how to see beyond what is presented to you today. That's the reality. Many people have missed it in life because they only saw the physical and saw something like a fluke that looked like it. But God must be able to show you something. Some of the young men you are seeing today that don't look it are very, very pivotal in what is going to happen in the next move of God in, the, in years to come. But you cannot see it right plainly. You need the eye of the Spirit to see it. So we need to learn, and that goes for everything. Same thing for, for business opportunities and the things that we do. So we need to seize. And then when we see like God, it gives us the confidence to keep declaring like him. So that is why we looked at bold declarations last week. Now, that has now brought us to the seventh uh, uh, topic in the series, which builds up on the last few things I've said. If we see the way God sees... And we are able to boldly declare, like David, last week we looked at David. David began to declare boldly what God can do because he could see what God can do and he began to declare it. And as he declared it, so it was. He said, I will cut off your head. And I told you how he was carrying the head of Goliath all over town after he truly cut it off. The next thing we must do is what we are studying today. What we must learn to do is called timely actions. Somebody say timely actions. We examine the timely actions as a principle we must learn today because there is a force that it is. Can I have the banner up just one more time? Thank you. Our highway banner, if those of you that um, travel a lot and you drive on the, on, the, on the motorway, 
You know how frustrating it is when you miss a turning, when you miss an action that you should have taken. You, you get to a particular junction you are supposed to make an exit and you miss it. It can easily add anything from five minutes to one hour to your journey, <laughs> on the average. It can add anything to your journey. So many times you need to be sensitive to be able to live. I see timely actions as those things that, yes, we see the way God is seeing. Yes, we are declaring what God says, but we are also taking actions. Not just actions, but we are taking them timely. We are taking the steps that God wants us to take in the time that he wants us to take them. This is what this session is all about. And it is very important. Thank you. Timing is a very important aspect of God. The whole world was set in the context of time. When God formed the earth, when he made the heavens and the earth, the Bible made us to see that he by himself defined what was called the first day. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 5, the Bible says, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were what? The first day. The evening and the morning were the first day. God's definition of the first day meant that God put in place the process of time. God put in place the process of time. Now, God is eternal. That means he is not bound by time. God lives forever. He is the same yesterday, today, forever. He does not change. But in order to be able to accomplish what was to be for mankind, God set the very first day in motion. So since he set this day he created, he started to put in place the opportunities or the, 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 the ability to encounter opportunities in time. So everything we're doing now, we're living in a space of time. Every human being takes a little portion of time, no matter how long you live on this earth, even if you live as long as a man called Methuselah in the Bible that lived 969 years, it was just a portion of time. Now, not many people live that long anymore. Anybody that hits 120 these days is regarded as having lived very long. I know we have some very unusual ones hitting like 130. And then people like my grandfather that we don't know whether they were 150 or 120 because we don't know their real age before they died. But, you know, there are many people who need to understand that the concept of time is very important. Ecclesiastes 3, just to remind us of some key things the Bible says about time. He said, let's read it together. To what? Everything. Let's take it again. To everything. Let's take it again. To everything. Let's take it again. To everything. This means everything is set in the context of time. I want to emphasize that very much because, you see, at times we do things, we don't really understand that as time is going, we are losing some opportunities and we are actually disengaging with some opportunities that God has given us for certain things to happen in our lives. So let's take it again. To everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Go straight to verse 11. We know what happened between verse 2 and 10. Let's go to verse 11. He said what? He has made everything beautiful in its time. Uh, also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to the end. Now, this is important. He said he put eternity in our hearts. 
but we cannot in our natural being find out everything. We need to have a relationship with God that helps us to know what God is saying per time. Because even though eternity is in our heart, what is eternity in our heart? The God nature. The God nature is in our heart. However, the Bible says you cannot, even though the God nature is in you, you and I cannot just know what God will do from beginning to end without having a clear understanding of who he is and having a relationship with him. The Bible says concerning Daniel, he knew in verse 21 when Daniel was praying, the Bible says, he said, and he changes the time and season. He removes kings. He raises up king, rises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He said, this is who he is. He does all these things for us and we must understand that we have to depend on him for the spirit of understanding. We must depend on him to understand like he understands. In Isaiah 11, 1 and 2, we don't need to turn to it. The Bible says that there is a spirit that will come upon the Lord, that it is the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might. One of it also is among the seven is the spirit of understanding. Thank you very much. He brought a large jug today. Bless you. It's a spirit of understanding. The spirit of understanding. The spirit of understanding is what helps us to relate with God in the dimensions of flowing in his way and mannerism. The spirit of understanding. It helps us to connect to God in order to be able to do things here on earth as God would have done it. Hallelujah. There is a spirit of knowledge. There is a spirit of wisdom. They have their place. But the spirit of understanding helps us to decipher God. Helps us to, to rationalize his move. Helps us to know whether he's shouting or he's speaking in a gentle voice. The spirit of understanding helps us to know him in such a way that we are able to relate with him and actually understand times. In 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, we were told of the sons of Issachar. The Bible says they had understanding of the times. They knew the times. We have a generation of believers that do not understand, do not, do not appreciate the place of understanding the times. So we are living just loosely. We are living the way we feel we should live. We no longer understand that the fulfillment of scripture is bound to our, the, the fulfillment of destiny is bound to our understanding of scripture and moving in the time of it. The sons of Issachar had understanding of the times. The Bible says they know what Israel ought to do. The same way we were told in John chapter 6 verse 6 that Jesus, when he lifted up the five loaves and two fish, he knew what to do. When you know what to do, many problems of life become no problems at all. When you know what to do, you and I must press into the spirit of understanding, particularly understanding of the times we're in, so that we need to know what we ought to do. The Bible says their chiefs were 200 and all their brethren were at their command. Those who understand times will always stay in control. When you, stay, when you understand the times you are in, you will be in control. When you are a young couple and you are, just starting to, you are just starting out in life and you understand that this is a phase, you won't get yourself into debt. 
You won't, you won't find yourself doing things that are stretching you beyond your limit. Now, people are different. Some people are born with this proverbial uh, silver spoon in their mouth. So maybe they can start off like that. But most people start to build from somewhere and they grow together. So you will understand the times you are in. And then when you come to a time where you are more consolidated and you can help others and you can do things, you also understand that God has now blessed you. It's not just about you anymore. It's no longer about you. If you don't understand that time, you will not live to fulfill destiny in the way you want. It is a time that God has brought you into, so you must do everything you can to live it out. This is how when we, last week when we talked about the story of Daniel, we, we, remind, we were reminded in Daniel chapter 9 verse 2 that uh, Daniel, in the first year of the reign of the king, Daniel understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. The Bible makes us to understand that he gain this understanding from books. The best book that we gain understanding from is the Bible. But many times God leads us into things as well. The things of this world, the things that he himself has created to gain understanding. He said, if you look at the ants, you will understand diligence. Hallelujah. He said, if you look at the stars and you see how well they are beautifully arrayed, you will know that there must be the existence of God. He said, if you look at the lilies of the valley and how beautifully they are spread out on a bed and looking neat and clean and well-ordered and patterned in such meticulous detail, he said, you will understand that God can clothe you. He said, if you look at the birds who nobody looks after them per se, but they fly and they are fed and they reproduce and they are living life, then you know that your heavenly father can feed you. You gain understanding of things and, and situations by an active engagement of seeking for it. The Bible says in all you're getting, get understanding. So we need to understand because we're talking about timely actions here. If I go back to my highway illustration, if you know a road very well and you know the stops, you know the places you can stop, you know the places you should turn and so on, your driving is more convenient. How many people know what I'm talking about? When you are driving a route for the first time, you are like a robot. You are looking at like that. You can't close your eye one minute because you don't know the place. You are following the sat-nav. And then if your sat-nav is like my own that has a mind of its own at times, that just starts to recalculate when nobody asks you to recalculate. <laughs> I say, why are you recalculating? I don't know where I'm going. Why are you recalculating? <laughs> just has a mind of its own. It will ask you a question before you say yes or no. You say, okay, I'm recalculating. I didn't beg you to recalculate. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then you find yourself going slowly, waiting for the thing, because you are wholly dependent on, on that thing. I can't believe that we use maps at a point, you know. <laughs> I can't believe it. We use something called A to Z. How many of you know that? A to Z, wonderful. We are very old. That's it. <laughs> Those A to Z were very, very helpful, because they were paper prints, you put your plot, you know exactly where you are going. But this thing that you have to trust, God help us. Hallelujah. <laughs> but we need to understand the times. When we understand the times, it makes our journey easier. When we know that there are certain things that are waiting for time to perfect, it makes our journey easier. Many pastors have got themselves into trouble because they are not waiting on God and ready to go the journey to stretch the fathers that were ahead of us, go and listen to their stories. 
Many of them who have been in ministry 50 years, 60 years will tell you how the first 5, 10, some 15 years were rough. Some were even kicked out of the first churches that they pastored for one reason or the other, doctrinal differences. They were kicked out, started all over again. After thinking they had started ministry, started all over again. This was when many people pastored under denominations. And it was very easy to just hire and fire a pastor anyhow. And so many of these people have these stories. But, you know, people don't know those things. Or you see a couple, they've been married 25 years, 30 years. And you're like, I just, I just love these guys. They just like, they have, they have a heaven on earth marriage. <laughs> it has taken work. It has taken a lot of work. But we need to understand that there is a time for it. Because understanding the times gives us stability. When Daniel understood in verse 3, he said, Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make my request by prayer. He did not do it before then, but when he understood, he went by fasting sackcloth and ashes because he knew that it was time. Now move a little bit on. Since the birth, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ, the world has been in a season of the free gift of salvation. Before Jesus came, man had to work for salvation. Man had to sacrifice. Man had to do everything himself to appease God. But the moment Jesus came, he set in motion the place for us to enjoy the free gift of salvation. And Jesus, as we saw him in the three and a half years that he did ministry here on earth, he did everything everywhere to show everyone the salvation. Look at what he said to Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. Let's read it together, verse 9. This was Zacchaeus, the not-too-tall man who climbed a tree called the sycamore tree when he saw that Jesus was coming. And Jesus asked him to come down and look at what Jesus says. Let's read it together, verse 9. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. This was in response to the people who were criticizing Jesus that what are you doing with this tax collector? What are you doing with these good-for-nothing people? People who just collect people's monies and defraud them. You know, people have certain members of the society that they, they tend to just naturally hate. They see them all as enemies. Politicians, lawyers, I know lawyers don't like us saying that, but that's the truth. Many people see them as, you know, the enemy of the state or people who just defend anyhow and do those kind of things. But we must understand that God has a purpose for everyone and their professions. And if you are good and godly, at a point in this church, we studied many professions and we saw how a Christian can function in every noble profession that exists. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we must understand that Zacchaeus was about to be ruled out by the people of the day. If not for Jesus Christ, people like Zacchaeus was not the, on the list. They were not on the list of people to be reached with the message of the gospel if it was left to the Jews because they saw them, they saw them as the worst of sinners, cheats, fraudulent people. But the Bible says Jesus said to him, salvation has come this day. And in verse 10, let's read verse 10 together. He said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why he came. That's why he came. And we saw everywhere he went in those three and a half years, 
Everything he was doing was to seek men. He said, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He said, go and sin no more. Everyone he prayed for, he would say, go and show yourself to the priest. That means take my salvation and start living life in the context of what I've done for you. So Jesus offered this free gift to everyone, and he did this, and everyone who he does it for, and is still doing it for today, requires a timely action. There is, the Bible says, now is the day of salvation, and we have to respond to it. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. The Bible says, we then, as workers together, with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. He said, we plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. He said, for he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now. Somebody say, now. Now. Say, behold, now is the day of salvation. This is the day of salvation. It is not tomorrow. Everyone must understand that every day that we live and see the end of decreases the day of decreases the length of time of the coming of the Lord the more. It doesn't matter how long it is anymore. A thousand years, ten years, one million years is never the same number by the passing of every day. Hallelujah. So now is the day of salvation, and we must understand that we have a responsibility to respond. And so every one of us that are yet to be born again. A lot of people have left salvation because it has become something that many people think they have a choice to wait and let it happen many times. I've lived by God's privilege for about five decades on this planet, and I can tell you I've seen many, many times when people were snatched out at times that we didn't expect that it was yet time for them to go. When I was very young, a lot of my my mates died, car accidents and things like that. That was still today. I remembered one of them two days ago. We went on holiday. We were just in our teens. We went on holiday, the long vacation, about this time of the year. And uh, before we got back to the campus, he had died. Young, vibrant guy. That time he was about 13 years or 14 years. Young, vibrant guy, no problem whatsoever. We went, we left campus, or we left the school. In, we were in boarding house in secondary school. We left in July. By the time we got back in September ending, he had died. That was a shock for me. It was the first time I would see that such no accident, nothing, no nothing. They said one day he just didn't wake up. And it was really shocking to me. From that day, I knew that, you know what? Everyone is living on the so-called borrowed time, as it were. Borrowed time. Not because God has not given it to us, but for us to understand that we don't have as much control as we think we do. This time last year, and I don't make this a a, a light submission at all, but I can tell you among the thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people that have died through this pandemic in the last few months, I can tell you many of them this time last year had great plans, told their families about great things they were going to do. We were going to travel, we were going to do this. Some, Some have even been threatening others with a sack. I know that sounds harsh, but that's the reality. But today, they're no more. Today, they're no more. Why will somebody think that they have the control of their life? Why will somebody not understand? Did you know how you landed here? You didn't know. They told you stories. They showed you pictures. They said, that's your baby picture. If it was another baby, they said, you will believe it, and you will still be believing it today. (laughs) That that's your baby picture. They told you. You didn't know anything. You didn't know anything. You only believed it. 
You know, it's, 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 it amazes me how much people can believe people than God. It's easy. You enter a plane, a pilot says, welcome on board, and that's all you hear. The next thing you say, thank you very much, cabin crew. And you believe what he's saying. Whether he... I've been flying for more than 40 years. I don't know what they say. <laughs> if you see a pilot that knows, that can speak clearly, give him an award. Most of them, they, they, they do, you know, like we say, doctor's writing, eh? doctor's handwriting, they, they scribble. Pilots do their own with mouth. <laughs> the moment you hear, welcome on board, I'm Captain ABC. The next thing is, we'll be flying at... <laughs> That's by the side. I know some pilots are very good. They don't do that. But you know what I'm trying to say? We believe whatever they have said, is, it makes sense. And we sit down there and we let them take us to the air. But then Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. We say, how? We say, how? In clear terms. He said, now is the day of salvation. We say, so simple. What is that? We must all understand that we need to believe God and trust him some more. Hallelujah. I'm talking about timely actions, but these are the things that we must understand it starts from. Every one of us who have now received Christ must also understand that we have time, limited time, to keep declaring him to others. Church has become a place in the body of Christ. The body of Christ today has many, many, missed it in many cases by not understanding that the, the reason we are born again to come to church is not just for us to become a member of another association of people that have like minds and do things in a certain way, even though it means that in a way. But the primary function is to gather, to be equipped for the work of the ministry. That's the next set of things we'll be going into in, in our series that will be starting next. To understand the equipping for the work of the ministry so that each one can fulfill purpose accordingly. This is what the church is all about. There is a time for everything. If you don't respond in time, you know, in the spirit, in, in, the, uh, in the world, we, we say that we live a vacuum. In the spirit, you can't live a vacuum. If you don't respond in time, God fills it immediately. That's why when Elijah said that, oh, I will, I, I'm tired now and I need to go, God said, I've been preparing 7,000 people who have not yet bowed. Because with God, there is no waste of time. The devil knows how to make and steal time, but we must be a people who walk with God so that we keep making the most of time. There is the adversary who doesn't want us to make the most of time. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, the Bible says, For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are what? Many adversaries. There are many adversaries. There are many things that the devil is using today to make it difficult for people of God to make the most of time. So it's keeping us very busy. This generation is the busiest ever. This generation is busy doing many things and yet not many productive things, I must say. We need to go back to the place where we create more time for prayer, create more time for the things that help us to build a relationship with God so that we can understand the times and we can be at rest some more. We can understand the time and still see that God is still moving. Let us not be encumbered by so many things. The Bible says the devil is the one that is coming to the earth and making it difficult for people because he knows he has a short time. Revelations 12.12. 12. He said, therefore rejoice, O heavens, 
you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. The devil knows that he has a short time. Believers don't know that we have a short time. We have a short time. Before you know what is happening, another year is gone. Just like yesterday, we said, Happy New Year and 2020. And here we are, hitting the middle of August. Before we know it, we're in December again, waiting for 2021. If you cast your mind back five years ago, it just looks like yesterday. Time flies. Time is waiting for no one. What you should do today, you must do. What you should do today, you must act. But it takes an understanding that you are not in this world just to mark time. Many believers have been pushed by the enemy. Who knows that he has such a short time? Have been pushed by the enemies away from their God-given tasks and are now being encumbered with the things that is stealing their time. Let us, not be, let us be very careful to make sure that we are making the most of time. Every opportunity is time-bound. Every opportunity is time-bound. It takes God's mercy for an opportunity to repeat itself. Many times, opportunities never come back again, especially in the very format that they have come. I need you, every one of us to understand. Jesus said in John chapter 9, verse 1, those of you who are watching on, uh, on, uh, the pod, listening on the podcast or on LiveGate Outreach TV, we read John chapter 9, from verse 1 to 7, and we also read John chapter 2 from verse 1 to 12 in our Bible reading earlier on. But you know, the Bible, the, the, the Bible makes us to understand that this encounter was with Jesus. And in John chapter 9, the Bible says when he was going by and he, passed, he saw a man blind from birth, go to verse 4. He said to them, I must walk the works of him who sent me while it is day, for what the night is coming when no one can walk. The opportunity to walk is time-bound. The opportunity to walk is time-bound. When God gives you an opportunity, don't think it will last forever. It's time-bound. The opportunity to do something in your workplace that can change your lot and transform you is time-bound. Many people get into a position at work and they become very comfortable. They become very complacent. <laughs> you need to understand that it's time-bound. It's time-bound. By reason of what I do for, for the university I work for, I, I look after degree apprentices. These are people who are young and are mostly young and are in, in, in industry, but they're also studying to achieve their degrees. And I see how these 24, 25, 22, 24, 25, 27 year olds are so seriously desperate, waiting to get into proper work life. And then you have some 35, 40 year olds not advancing themselves because they are manager. Somebody say manager. Some of those children are looking at those seats and saying, that's going to be my seat in three years time when I graduate. I'm telling you, they don't say it, but you can see it in all their actions. I used to tell Dr. Moses about one particular one. If he appears for lecture, you will think he's the lecturer. <laughs> the guy will appear like this. You, you, I said, these guys are serious. That is 24 years old. <laughs> you sit down there, you think it's a joke. So they, they, you had in that position, keep advancing yourself because by the time these guys sit down and, and, and hit the place, it, they will hit it up. It's not a curse. They will hit it up because it's a life and there's competition. And you know, the world these days is very, very simple in getting rid of people. 
There is no diplomacy like before. Before, they will say, oh, this man has been here five years. Let us be. If they find that this little boy, this young boy, is more productive now, they will just buy a clock for the grandpa and say, thank you very much. <laughs> and a wristwatch, <laughs> gold wristwatch. Say, thank you very much. God bless you. <laughs> time, 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 time is going. Time is going. Make the most of time. You have an opportunity to upgrade yourself today. Go for it. Go for it. Don't say my children are young. Those same children that are young, they're not going to be young forever. You are afraid that you will study in the night. You are afraid that you will have to do school runs in between lectures. My friend, go and do it if you have to. I'm not saying risk your life or anything, but don't wait. Don't wait. Keep moving. Time is going. Jesus said, I must walk while it is day. I must walk. While it is there means while there is opportunity. He said, the night is coming when no man can walk. There are people I know that have been telling me, promising me that, Pastor Dave, one day I will join that church. <laughs> we are several years this year. And they told me in 2013, one day I will, I will come there, I will do this, I will do that with you. I said, God bless you. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> several years. <laughs> One day, by the time they come, they will see that I've grown a lot of gray hair. And, then, <laughs> and life has moved on because they are coming at maybe year 70 instead of seven. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> they are coming for this year of perfection. Hallelujah. Jesus himself said, I must walk. Jesus knew that he didn't have 50 years to spend here. He knew it. He knew it. When you look at people that shook the world and left before they were 50, or let me extend it to about 55, if I include people like Miles Monroe, you will see that they walked every day, every day, tirelessly, every day, every day, as if they knew that every day was extra, extra, as if they knew it. Check their story. Martin Luther King, I talk about him a lot, Junior. They walked every day because they realized that we are here on earth and we have to walk while it is day. There is an energy you have now that in five years' time, I'm not cursing you, in five years' time, let me not say you will not have it. It will be different. Okay? <laughs> it is still there, but it's slightly different in, in, <laughs> in manifestation. This one that they say, hey, it's time to go, and you get up, and you, you are ready to go because you are still youthful and vibrant. A time comes, you want to get up like that, you get up with style. <laughs> People think you are posing, but you, you are making your body get up in the right way so that things will not dislocate. <laughs> so they say, it's time to go. It's okay, I'm meeting you. Get, you guys head on, then you get up with style. Then you take some majestic steps towards them. <laughs> this one that you just go and drive. Five hours, six hours, you're not thinking. And you feel strong. It's not going to last forever. This is the day to put it to productive use. To improve yourself, to make better contributions in the body of Christ, to use your gift and talents to help the work and make people see the light that you have seen. Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Tell yourself, as long as I am in this world, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. John 5, 14. He said, you are the light of the world. Jesus said, as long as I am in this world, I am the light of the world. And when he was going, he said, you are the light of the world. Let us understand very clearly that whilst we are the light of the world, we must continue to shine the light. The stories we read in John chapter 2 and John chapter 9 told us two very basic principles that I think we can learn. 
Number, first, number one thing is that we should be attentive and willing. We should be attentive and willing. If we want to be people who will be taking timely actions, what I mean by attentive is let's be sensitive in the spirit. Let's be sensitive in the spirit. I have found that what has helped me as a person in life is the ability to hear God in very unusual moments. I was walking to, when I was going to get married, I've told you this story many times, in the year 1995, we were planning our wedding for December, and I was going to my wife, my, then my fiancé's house, and as I was going, getting near the place, he said, son, did you know that marriage, that your marriage can be a prison or a paradise, that it is your choice? I can't forget. I remember exactly where I stood. I wasn't thinking of anything. I wasn't praying. He just said, son, do you know that your marriage can be a prison or a paradise? It's your choice. And I said, Lord, help me to make it a paradise. And as soon as I got in, I said, this is what the Lord said. He said, wow, fantastic. I said, so let's make it a paradise. When you hear God like that, there are certain things that you need to do. So anytime we see that things are happening in our lives and this is not looking like a paradise, it's not feeling like a paradise and the devil wants to turn the story, I said, I remember God told us, let's make it a paradise. Let's make it a paradise. And we calm down again and we embrace and we keep going. John chapter 2. Jesus said in verse 3, And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to them, They have no wine. They have no wine. The mother of Jesus said to Jesus, they have no wine. If you read the earlier verses, the Bible says they invited Jesus and his disciples. But when they had no wine, they were running helter and skelter. Thank God they ran their helter and skelter race to where Mary was. But the people who invited Jesus did not even know that Jesus could solve the problem. They didn't go to him. What am I trying to say? There are many people doing religion and are not connected to Christ. They invited Christ. Why do you invite Christ to come and dance with you in a party? You invite Christ so that if you have any issue, that's why you invite him into your life, so that if you have any problem, he, he said, come to me. I said, I, I, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's who he is. He is a solution provider. They invited him quite okay, but when they had problems, they just met the mother of Jesus. Thank God she was a very clever woman, and she said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said, my time is not now, and all that, and all that. But the woman advised them. He said in verse 5, let's read it. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you to do, do it. Do it. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. There are things that you must be willing to do. The Bible says, if you are willing and obedient. There are two different things. You cannot be obedient if you are not willing. And your willingness cannot lead to anything if you are not obedient to the very action. The two go together. You must be willing. You must be willing. He said, whatever he says to you, be willing. Because at times, what he will tell you to do will not be in line with what you thought you should have done for yourself. But God is always asking us to do those things that will be in our interest. His mother said to them, whatever he says to you to do, do it. Please say with me, I will be attentive and willing by the grace of God. This is what makes us take steps. This is what makes us take steps. And then number two, be obedient and proactive. Be obedient and proactive. We read this from both chapters, 
John chapter 9, verse 7. And he said to, them, to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated saint. So he went, somebody say, so he went and washed and came back seeing. Say he went and washed and came back seeing. His situation changed, not because Jesus only spoke, not because he met Jesus, not because Jesus only spoke, but because he was willing and then he was obedient to what was said to him. Many times, many people have had instructions direct from God or through a message like this. God will inspire and say, this is what you should do about this matter. And then people just ignore it. People just ignore it. I want you to learn something from today. Anything God says for you to do, you need, you have a responsibility to keep hearing the details from him. Don't just run off and when you hear the details, be, be willing to obey and be ready to obey. Be willing to obey and make sure you obey. As you do what God says, you come back seeing. I say you come back with your miracles. In the name of Jesus. In John chapter 2, verse 7, Jesus said to them, fill the water, water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And in verse 8, he said to them, let's read that together, and he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. Now what they knew was inside was water, but when he asked them, draw it out, the Bible says they obeyed. And when we read the whole passage, the master of the feast was shocked. He said, this is quality wine. Everybody serves this kind of thing first, so that when people are drunk and they no longer can taste well, the junk is served after, so to speak. He said, but you have kept the best for the last, and so on and so forth. Jesus said, draw out some water. And I want you to know today that it is very good you are sensitive to the spirit. It is very good you are willing, but you also must learn to be obedient and proactive. Take steps. Say with me, I will be obedient and proactive with every instruction I receive from God. God doesn't struggle with man. God doesn't struggle with man. You will just hear it. And many people say, but Pastor Dave, how do you hear God? I don't hear God. You don't want to. If you want to hear him, you will hear him. You hear him. Just the same way I'm, you are hearing me now. Because you are his child. How many of you have children and then one of them, you don't speak to him at all. You speak to the other ones. Do you do that? No. So if you hear any Christian say they've had God, that means you have every right to hear God as well. Hallelujah. We have turned Christianity to this kind of institution where we have some sacred cows that hear God. And we say, man of God, what is God saying? <laughs> Hallelujah. The reality is, yes, we, will, we have the place for the prophets. We have the place for pastors. We have place for teachers and all those things. But that is for specialized aspects of training to help us grow. In terms of living everyday life, God speaks to all his children equally. Hallelujah. We just need to train ourselves to hear him. How many of you understand how you need to train yourself to know the differences in the, in the voices of the people that you live with? You train yourself, especially where you have people, two people that tend to talk the same way a lot. 
you, you, the same kind of tonation and all that. You train yourself to know how the differences are. So that anybody that is talking, you can say, this is the person that is talking. That's the person that is talking. Hallelujah. I was saying to our, uh, 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 I think it was Brother Fulani, I was talking to about our choir that, we, that our, our mics have really improved and that I was listening online the other day without even looking at the tablet. I could say, that is Sister this, that is that, that is that, that is that, because I know everybody's voices by now. And it was coming through the stream. So if we can hear each other that well and understand each other, we need to only... And how did I get to that with the choir? It's because I learned by relationship and knowing the person's voice. It's the same way the voice of God you will learn the more you spend time with his word and you pray. The more you fellowship with him, the more you encourage yourself in the Lord, then you start to see how he speaks to you. God has a very big sense of humor. He speaks to me in very many places. But particularly, I notice that anytime I'm in front of my mirror in my bathroom, oh, it is speaking time. <laughs> it is speaking time. Galore. So I've, I've learned it. I don't know why he chose that place. For some people, they say it's some flamboyant place, but that is my own place. So I stayed here. I don't go anywhere. At times, people wonder, what is this man doing 20 minutes inside the bathroom? The man is speaking. The man is speaking. And when he's speaking like that, I am hearing things that, in many cases, I have found some things that God spoke to me like that have changed so many things for me over the years. And when he says to me to go and do something, that's exactly what I go do. I am not claiming to be perfect. I'm not saying I'm also work in progress, but I am telling you, I am learning that the more you can be willing to hear God and be proactive, you will do things. Nobody achieves anything in this life, anything of significance without hearing properly from God and acting at the right time. You can't. You can't. You'll be all over the place. The day God said to me, you are leaving your home country and I'm taking you out of your home country to minister my word in a unique way, I told you many times it was not what you would tell a 28, 29-year-old that was living the way I was living then and they will not bind the devil. They will bind the devil seriously. We say, which home country am I? This one that <laughs> I'm living nowhere. <laughs> But you know, I, I remember very clearly. And every step taken since then has been confirming the same thing, the same thing. So you get your assurance by being able to take. Peter said, if it is you, bid me to come. Jesus said, come. Peter did not hesitate one minute. He stepped out of the boat and we know he walked on water. So I want to conclude this this morning by simply saying to us that we need to be wise with our time and we need to have we need to be prompt, always. We need to be wise and we need to be prompt. Wisdom in the word of God doesn't just mean intellectual wisdom. As a matter of fact, it is more about the fear of God. The Bible says that is where the beginning of wisdom is. Doing things the way God says is what makes for wisdom. A fool, Psalm 14 verse 1, a fool says in his heart, there is no God. Let us not be foolish. Let us not be foolish. Let us be people who are deliberately committed to God's wisdom. Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 7, 15 to 17. Ephesians 5, sorry. Ephesians 5, 15. Thank you. Ephesians 5. Can you go to 15? Thank you. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, carefully, not as fools, but as what? wise, as people who regard the word and the instructions of God much more than anything. 
and number 16, verse 16. He said, redeeming the time, buying back the time, making sure you account for time because the days are evil. Time is a very precious commodity. You can lose money and gain money again. But when you lose time, you can never gain it again. You can't. You can't. Opportunities that come in time must be embraced by the wisdom of God and by the understanding he gives that this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity. Don't waste it. Every one of us must learn how to be redeeming the time intentionally. This is why I am trusting God that we continue to press into the culture of value for time. Value for time. I have said this many times, advanced countries and advanced economies, one of which we live today by the grace and privilege of God, one of which we live today in the United Kingdom and the likes of the United States and the whole most of Europe and so on, are not countries that have extraordinary gifts and resources over the so-called developing countries. In many cases, they even have more. The so-called developing countries have more. But the one common thing that I've found in all those countries is the value for time. Value for time. The discipline for time. It hurts my heart when people come from those countries where there is a disregard for time, live in this country, and still want to live like that. It hurts the soul. God is giving us a privilege. If we especially those of us who have come from those countries, and God's given us the privilege to embrace this culture and learn about time and have value for time. If we cannot uphold the ethics of time, what is the hope? Where lies the hope for the generations to come? And where lies the hope of those who have not even been exposed to the same? But I have found that, you know what? Everybody has value for time if they want to. You don't go late to a place that you really don't want to be late. Let's be honest. So if you come late to church because, not because you, you know, I know people work till certain time and then they come and do. If you come late to church just because you did not manage time very well, it simply means you have no value for church. Don't, don't argue it until you convince yourself that you will not change. For many years, I used to, I used to uh, go to uh, Wolverhampton. This is online, so the pastors that I've worked with can hear this, and you can go and ask them. There are people who have worshipped in other churches here today, today as I speak to you. I can call them one by one. Do I ever go late to church? Sister Raquel, you're here. I don't, I, I, I would drive. My children, they were young, 10, 12, 15 years ago. They were very young. In All Nations Church, we started... First service those days, 8 a.m., was it? I think we used to start 8 a.m. to 10, and then we had another one. I would be there from Warsaw, from Warsaw. My wife will come back from work. She will literally take off her clothes, rush into the bathroom. I have prepared the kids, three of them. I'll prepare them, everybody ready. We are waiting in the car for her. She would rush in and change and just freshen up very well and jump in after a 12-hour shift. Jump in the car and we get there on time. Because we value church. Many times I've walked through the night till 2 a.m., 3 a.m. 
I've worked till 4 a.m. Writing reports, preparing this for church, doing that other program for university, doing this one for my consultancy. I will sleep at 4, put the alarm on at 6. Because I want to be in church at 8. Friends, I want us to know that we have a responsibility to prove our love for God. Jesus said we must be redeeming, Paul said we must be redeeming the time because the days are evil. The one true test that God always looks to those he calls is their response to time. When he called those people and one of them said, let me go and bury my father. When one said, let me go and marry my wife or I've just married a wife. Let me go and do this. Let me go and prove my ox. He didn't look at them and say, I understand all your legitimate reasons. He said, those things don't matter. Follow me and let's do this. I am saying this because I believe that this is one major area that the believers of our time need to wake up. And I want it to be that in this church we have value for time. Unless it is absolutely impossible when it is time for us to start service, if we say if you are to be here for 10, if you are to be a 10 o'clock person, be here. If you're a church worker, it is 9.30, not 9.35. It is 9.30. I prefer that we do that in obedience to God than we just do something. And I know that many of you are working hard. I work hard too. (laughs) I work hard too. Many times you don't know when I've slept, if I've slept at all. You don't know. If we're going to be people who will get into this kind of rest and command the kind of things God wants us to command, let's be disciplined with time. Let's be disciplined. Verse 17 says, do not be unwise. Do not be unwise, but keep understanding what the will of the Lord is. Many people do not understand that God is testing us always. He's testing us always. If we don't handle what, is, what he's given to us to do today very well, there is no way he can commit more to us. And we want him to do that. And he will do that in Jesus' name. Amen. I speak to people I love so that they do the things that I know will help them. I know it is easier for me to just keep telling you, it's all right, <laughs> it's all right, it's easier for me to do that, but I'm not helping you that way. If we are a people who want to go far with God, let us stretch ourselves. Children are not just going to grow to have value for church. It is what you parents show them. Even the ones you show, you are still trusting God to keep helping them. <laughs> not to talk of the ones you are showing that. You know, when it's school, kids, when it's school, 7.30, we're all out of the house. But when it's church, the children are saying, Daddy, are we not going to say, wait a minute, just wait, just wait. And then the child thinks, you know, that is how we do church. We go when we like and arrive there when we like. But school, we can't go late. You get what I'm saying? Because children, we have value for what you have value for. That's how my father raised me. Everybody out. That's all. You don't, don't argue <laughs> wherever you are, whether you are still tying your belt. <laughs> because if he comes in and he finds you inside. <laughs> and I, till today, my father is 86 years old. Till today, I still thank him for those military kind of training that we got. It's still the same thing that works in me today. It's just one voice. Everybody out. It's church time. We are moving. You don't waste time. And we had that value for God. It looked like punishment and things then, but as I grew older, I understood. The Bible says the devil knows his time is short and is giving more people reasons to do things of God slothfully. Let us be active. Let us do the things of God well. Friends, our timely actions have a ripple effect. Every time you take steps 
to do things that God says you should do, there are many people who will benefit from it. Many people. On May 26, 2013, I was on that side of the road when God said to me, look to that building, it is available. Just about eight months, six months before that time, God has spoken to me about ministry and we've been praying. I told the persons I was uh, worshiping with that I'll be leaving and so on. And we were walking through a kind of transition. But you know something? It was very difficult to get a place. We were almost going to get a place in Bilston, which is the other side of the, of the motorway. And just when it was about to be, God opened up this place. He said, look to that building, it's available. I told my wife the next day, I was traveling to the, to, 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 to outside the country, and as I got to the airport, I said to her, go to that building. I described it. I said, go there, tell the landlord tomorrow that we want it. He said, have we got the money? He said, how much is it? I said, I don't know how much it is. <laughs> I don't know how much it is. I don't have anything physical. But I said, God said, it is available. We are getting it. And the rest, is, as they say, is history. Everyone who will do things for God acted in a timely way. The wedding people put water. If they had stood there arguing, oh, how can we put water? Let us go and buy wine. Let us do that. Let us buy wine so that you can multiply it. Or they were analyzing for him. They would, have, they would have been embarrassed. They moved as he said. It is important. Jesus himself acted promptly throughout his ministry. When he got to Gethsemane, he said the hour has come. And as soon as he said the hour has come, the Bible says that they were able to capture him and then he laid down his life. Can I have the banner back, the, the, the church banner back, please? It is very important. So timely actions, thank you, timely actions are key for us to achieve our restful increase. Esther acted promptly and she saved the Jews. Moses acted promptly and he saved the Hebrews. David acted promptly in front of Goliath and he saved the whole nation of Israel. Daniel acted promptly and he saved the Jews also from captivity, delivered them from captivity. In Acts chapter 16, a woman called Lydia she got saved, and as soon as she got saved, she acted promptly, and she opened up her house for fellowship to be taking place there. Before that time, people gathered near a river to meet. We need to keep acting in time. Keep acting in time. Don't waste time. Every opportunity God gives to you, gives to you and I today will not last forever. In the year 2012, I was in a place called Doha. I was on a transit. I was going to China, I believe it was. And uh, as I was on the transit to that country, I was flying Qatar Airways. And um, as soon as I got to the um, airport in Qatar, the, the, the Lord said to me as I was waiting for the connecting flight, the Lord said to me, son, this was April 2012, I'll never forget it. He says, son, opportunities are like airplanes at an airport. You don't need all of them to get to where you are going, but you always need to be on time to catch yours. Everything God has been speaking to you, how much of it have you acted promptly on? Whether for your personal life or for the way you are serving in this place. How many times has God told you to do something a little bit more, to do something a little bit more? How many times have you pushed it aside? Let me tell you a secret, friends. Every time God says to you to do something, the moment you take the step, all the resources follow you. <laughs> the resources you are afraid of, they follow you. Peter took the step 
out of the boat. As soon as he landed on the water, what needed to hold him up on water came. People don't know this simple secret. God says, move, do this. People say, ah, how can I A, B, C, D? <laughs> Hallelujah. And we, we look at it and we say, we can't do it. But the moment you move, the moment God said that building is available and we moved from 300 pounds, I think, because we had spent some money trying to register the church and all that. I was spending personal phones all that time. The 300 pounds I left from 300 pounds, how it became over 30,000 in within two weeks, I don't know. I did some consultancy work in Nigeria. I thought that they would pay me that money. That was what in my logical thinking I was banking on, that I would get that money and I've done it, I just needed to be paid. And for, for some strange reason, till today, they have not paid me that money. <laughs> the money I was thinking was help me to start this work. But within three weeks, God mobilized over 35,000 into my account. And things started happening left. And I didn't beg by God's grace any human being. Did I come to any of you and say, bro, please, I need, I'm desperate. No. I didn't. Those that even started the church with us, then they say, Pastor, which kind of thing? You are doing church. You are not. I say, anything God lays in your heart, I'm happy. But you know something? God is the one that is doing this work. And as since that day, since that day, God has been meeting the resources of this church. Hundreds of thousands of pounds spent in seven years. Over half a million spent in seven years to the glory of my God. I don't take a dime of salary before some of you think one-fifth of that was my salary. I don't take a salary from here. Because I'm not here for salary. I'm here on an assignment. I say you are here on an assignment. And the Lord God Almighty will cause you to fulfill destiny. In the name of Jesus. Just keep being prompt. The blessing of God will follow you. All the jobs that I have been doing in this country as I take steps, God makes them follow me. I am telling you, this is practical. I can give you evidence. I don't have time anymore today. But the reality is that when you are doing what God says you should do, God will line things up for you. God will make sure that everything you need to accomplish it will come to pass. I said they will come to pass. In the name of Jesus. Don't be afraid anymore. This is one aspect of this message I want us to get clear. So I've taken time to explain it. Because no matter how much you believe, no matter how much you declare, if you don't step out, you cannot achieve. Let's pray. Where?